This is Beth Butler, and thank you for listening to From the Ground Up, where we chat with people in and around the real estate industry. I have been in the real estate business for 35 years, and much of my experience has been about building the business from the ground up. And I'm pleased to share some of the people who I've met along the way and who have helped me build in this podcast. Thank you for joining us on From the Ground Up. Today, we are pleased to have Jessica Levy, the queen of real estate PR in Florida. As president and founder of Levy Public Relations and Events, Jessica Levy has positioned this firm as a highly recognized marketing agency headquartered in Miami. Jessica's strong work ethic was instilled in her by her entrepreneurial family. She takes great pride in offering her clients the best in strategic marketing and public relations services. After working in New York for a publishing group, Jessica transitioned into the agency world in Miami. She was a partner of a South Florida marketing agency for several years where she worked with various global brands. She continues to represent a strong caliber of clientele today. Jessica provides an innovative and competitive edge to marketing and PR. She possesses the knowledge and experience to build brands and take them to the next level through press efforts and media relations. She prides herself and her team at Levy Public Relations and Events on bringing creative concepts, campaigns, and tactics to each and every client. In working with some of the key players in the marketplace, including PMG, Core Real Estate, Compass Florida, Ritz-Carlton Residence, Ramsey Fairs, Pink Sands Resort, Rose Mergy Properties, Area Development Group, the Galbert family, Car Properties, Elad Group, and more, Jessica and her firm have helped achieve their goals through national and international press placements. An ongoing supporter since 2010, Jessica works alongside the Orphaned Starfish Foundation, assisting children from orphanages throughout Latin America by spreading the world for additional funding for their education. In 2017, Jessica launched Levy Loves, a company-wide initiative for team members to give back to the community each month. Some local partners have included Feeding South Florida, the Lighthouse Foundation, Chapman Partnership, and Camilla's House. Jessica lives in Davie, Florida with her three children and plays an active role at home in her children's schooling, especially now, and, and daily activities. They are her everything. She references them as hashtag Lovica. I love that. Please welcome to From the Ground Up, Jessica Levy. Jessica, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Beth. I'm really excited about this, uh, especially doing it with you. It's great. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy the process and that you'll come back (laughs) often over time. Tell us a little bit, Jessica, about how you started the PR business. Um, you know, after graduating uh, from college, I um, I went off to New York, uh, you know, wanted to kind of start a career out there. Originally, I was from Miami, um, went out there and started in the publishing world, um, enjoyed it, but realized quickly it really wasn't where I wanted to be on the publishing side um, and started working more on the agency side, met with, uh, worked with some different agencies um, in different markets. Uh, and then, you know, as soon as I got introduced to PR, just fell in love with it, um, fell in love with the opportunity to tell a story for a brand or a company or a client and really help um, build that brand into something a lot larger. Uh, and so it's been, you know, the company Levy PR has been around for 10 years. 
Um, I've been doing marketing with PR for about 15 years now. There's a quote about PR that says, quote, everything you do or say is public relations, unquote. At a basic level, how do you define what you do? Um, what we do really is we take a brand, we take a client, we take a developer, a broker, you know, depending on what the client is. Um, we look at what their long-term goals are um, and what they're trying to achieve. Uh, we then help strategize and put their message in front of the proper media that targets the consumer that they want to target. Jessica, your firm specializes in real estate clients and all aspects of the business. Could you talk a little bit through how you work with each one of those customer groups, the three customer groups being developers, agents, and brokerage firms? Yeah. So with developers, normally we're brought in um, to help them sell a residential or commercial uh, development. Um, we have some clients as developers that we represent corporately, um, which is different. But on a project basis, um, you know, we're brought in. We really love to be brought in way in advance. Uh, we love to be part of the creative um, creative process with the creative agencies involved, come up with the partnerships, uh, help build the building from the ground up when it comes to um, just the amenities, the innovation that's going to be involved. Um, so, you know, with developers, we, that's really where we thrive and we, we love to be part of that project. Uh, so we'll come in uh, hopefully a few months prior to the launch of sales. We'll help with the strategies and those partnerships. Uh, we'll work very closely with all members of the team. Um, from there, we launch, you know, in the PR side, we look at exclusives and national media, depending on the project, obviously the price point, uh, who their markets are. Um, you know, we not only do... PR in the US and nationally um, and regionally, but we also do Latin American press. So a lot of times being in Miami and South Florida, Latin America has obviously been a very strong market for, for as long as we can remember. Uh, and so depending on the project, you know, we look at the key markets and, and we really go into those different cities and countries and states and, and target uh, not only with press, but with partnerships with uh, you know, nowadays webinars, <laughs> uh, panels, roundtables, um, any kind of opportunity that allows the developer to display this project in front of the right consumer so that eventually, obviously, the sales uh, reflect that. So from a developer, it's, it's definitely different than with agent and broker. <laughs> when you're representing a project, based on what you were saying, do you help identify who the target audience is? Do you help set with the segmentation? It's not just promoting, but you also, it's not just the what, you also talk about the who, correct? Yeah, we talk about the who. We look at the competitive set as well uh, in the market that they're in. Uh, we like to examine the competitive uh, set uh, regionally. Um, and then, uh, you know, once we work along, we also work alongside very closely the brokerage, right? And the brokerage also will direct us a little bit in, in what they believe the market to be. And together, we kind of formulate that, I think, as a team. Uh, but we definitely have um, research that we do on our own to try to help position the project with what we think the market will be, the demographic will be uh, for sales. Okay, good. So I know you also represent some individual real estate agents, and yep. I think that's a large portion of who listens to this podcast. So could you talk a little bit about how you work with an individual agent, what kind of services you can perform to them, and just walk us through a little bit of that process? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we do work with uh, quite a few uh, real estate agents. Um, you know, a lot of times we come in, uh, most agents that we've worked with have never had PR before. Um, and so for us, 
It's really uh, getting a handle on what their niche is, what their market is. Um, some people want to say they're all of one city, but realistically, they they kind of target one area, whether it's waterfront, luxury, um, you know, the downtown areas or urban core areas uh, of a city. So we really help define it with them by looking at obviously where their listings are, where their efforts are currently, uh, where they've had their sales in the past. And once we kind of define that, our job really is to start positioning them as an expert to that region. Uh, we do that by feeding them a lot of information on the market uh, that we we know and that we receive and that we read on every day so that they become even more knowledgeable about the, the cities and the markets that they're working in, but also getting information from them as to what they're seeing on the front line of sales and, and the type of clients and demographics. And we do that on a national level, not just a regional level. So obviously regional is important, uh, but we also take it nationally to really help um, position them as, as an expert, like I said, in those different key markets. Um, and, you know, we really enjoyed the ones that we, we work with now. We've, we've had great, um, great results with, um, you know, we help them with media training as well, which is also very important. Some people think they can, you know, do the interviews and all of that, um, you know, get on, get on the phone or do in-person on TV interviews. And, and then they realize they can't. So we help them with training um, initially. Um, most of them, you know, really welcome that as well. They, they, they want the training. So, uh, we, you know, it's a whole slew of things, but at the end of the day, they, um, you know, we really want to position them as an expert so that sellers and buyers are looking at them and using their services. Right. So just to kind of summarize a little bit, you strategize with the agent, you do some exploration trying to understand where they're coming from. Then you educate and inform them about what they need to be saying, how they need to be presenting themselves. The media training is invaluable. I speak from personal experience. And then finally, you promote them, right? So it's about positioning them in articles, um, getting them, you know, mentioned in roundup articles and things like that. So so that you're actually building awareness about them and what they do, correct? Yeah, it's that. And then it's also their listings. You know, we take their listings, um, depending on the listing, we can either group some together, but we always try to get press on the listings in which they have to obviously help them with their sales. Um, so yeah, there's the expert source aspect. There's the listing aspect. Um, you know, we even create um, documents for them to show potential um, clients of their own for listing properties so that they can see all of the efforts that are going to be done as a PR campaign. Um, because we do PR for all of their listings and market and help, you know, put that together for them. Okay. And then final segment here is brokerage firms. And before you start, I just want to <laughs> say you know, personal experience, right? I've, I've worked with um, Jessica at different firms. And when we started Compass Florida, she was the first, you know, outreach call I made because we were a little known company, you know, Florida was first expansion market and contrary to what people might think, building the awareness for Compass in Florida was um, when we launched was really having to navigate, navigate a lot of the negative press that was out there about things that were going on in New York. So it was a very intricate and complicated procedure that didn't always yield the results that that we were hoping for. So it was there was a lot of, um, <laughs> I guess, planning and hoping, and then waiting to see what came out. But in the end, obviously, it worked, and we were able to successfully build a brand and do whatever. So do talk a little bit about how you have helped brokerage firms because it's not as easy as it might sound. 
No, it's not. Um, but you know, some someone like Compass is is a very strong brand. Uh, you guys had a strong brand when we first started working together. Obviously, Florida was a new market, but the brand was well known uh, nationwide, and everybody was excited about it. And they wanted to understand and know more about it uh, from the agent side all the way to the media side. So it did make our jobs a little easier in that sense. Uh, that it was an exciting new topic uh, that everybody wanted to know. Um, and you know, obviously, the tech aspects that Compass, uh, especially pushed towards the beginning of uh, you know when they started in Florida, was something really relevant. And I, you know, from a brokerage perspective, we're really positioning a brand. Um, we are trying to position a brand so that you guys can recruit new agents. Uh, we're trying to position a brand so that you can recruit new developers. Um, and so, you know, it goes on the expert sourcing that we talk about with agents, but on a much more macro scale, um, because we're not talking about a region. We're talking about a state or, or a country or, you know, depending on how far we're going on it. So we um, so it is a much larger task. Uh, there's a lot more media for us to um, be in communication with. There's a lot more different markets we want to tackle. Uh, and there's a lot of different types of people. So you want to e reach consumers and, you know, you want to get listings and you want to get uh, buyers for those listings, but you also want to hit the agents and you want the agents to know about Compass and be excited because you want to recruit them. So it's a whole strategy uh, that we, you know, especially with Compass when we work together, but, you know, we've worked with other brokerages as well. And it's, you know, and it's also supporting those top brokers or, or realtors within the brokerage as well. So we want to look at, you know, the ones that are moving product uh, quickly, that are doing very well, and we want to support them because we want them, you know, to obviously succeed more within the brokerage. So there's a mix of all of it, <laughs> um, and it just depends. Every brokerage is different in kind of what their goals are. But I think um, when working, you know, with you and with Compass Florida, I think the goals that we had were kind of all of those. It was getting in front of developers, getting in front of the agents, um, and then also letting people know about all the new things that Compass was and was going to be bringing to Florida. So can you just talk through generally again about the services you include? So I think it's, it's, uh, you, it, it's not just, it's story placement, it's writing. So talk just a little bit about your scope of services generally, like all the different channels that you can support. Sure. So, um, you know, everything from the strategy component, which really is where we start when we were brought on, right? So we have strategies that are really done by the entire company. It's not just one person putting them together. We, we brainstorm together. Um, we research together because we want everyone to understand the clients that are coming in, even if they're not working on them day to day. So we really thrive on our strategies. We put together extremely detailed strategies, including partnerships, and all of that. So that that's kind of a, it's a component of public relations. It's part of our public relations retainers, but it's it's something that we really um, we really put a lot of effort into, and we update it continuously because things are constantly changing. And then from there, it, it is the you know it's obviously the writing and all the the press releases, the media kits. But then it's placing clients in editorial features and editorial pieces, um, and on TV, on you know whether it's online TV, newspapers, um, we do all of that. We have a social media component to our company as well. Uh, we kicked that off back in 2017, just being the demand of social media um, and what it is today. So we have that, and then we have an events department, and the events department is run very well. It obviously supports a lot of our PR clients, uh, but we also do events that are non-related uh, to the clients we represent in PR. So, um, so those are kind of, that's kind of an overview of everything that we do. You mentioned partnerships. Can you just describe a little bit more what that looks like? 
Sure. So mainly partnerships come in for us with developers more than anything else. Um, but, you know, it's anything from the amenities of a building, uh, whether it's a spa or it's a tech aspect of a building um, fitness level. And we look at different key markets that we're trying to um, to target and see what's known in those markets, what people gravitate towards. And we try to figure out partnerships that would make the building more worthy. Uh, for those consumers. And so that's one way of partnerships that we look at. Other partnerships we do though, um, you know, we've done wellness partnerships. We do jet aviation, you know, private aviation uh, partnerships. We've done, you know, when we do events, obviously there's a lot of partnerships that go into events, whether it's working with Chanel, which we've done before in the French consulate in New York, which we've done before, um, bringing in audiences that we know these developers are looking for, for their buildings. And it, it really depends on the developer and development because obviously we have, you know, the uh, more affordable properties that we represent. And then we have the very high-end luxury and we kind of look at partnerships based off that. Okay, so it, it made me think of something else too. Uh, just walk a little bit through, but also how you can insert your clients into local events. Like I'm thinking about South Beach uh, Food and Wine Festival, uh, Art Basel, a lot of the bigger local happenings you're also able to create partnerships or opportunities for your clients can you talk about some of those and how you've been successful doing that yeah so um with pmg specifically actually we introduced them to south beach wine and food festival a few years back um and they became a partner uh i forget the year now but i'm gonna i'm gonna say 2018 but i might be off a year um and uh you know we became part of um, the evening events that they had on the beach over the tent, and we kind of created an activation within it. Uh, in addition to having private events within their sales galleries or private events within their properties with, you know, well-known chefs, inviting 100 top, you know, whether it was brokers or potential buyers. Um, so we helped facilitate that. We made the introduction, and then we helped to negotiate the whole business plan for it. Um, and then, you know, we obviously at the, at some point it does get turned over to the client, uh, especially if they have marketing directors in house. Uh, but we definitely helped facilitate the beginning of that art Basel as well. Uh, in fact, we represent art, some art fairs, um, and have worked very well, um, in helping position them with partners, even separate from real estate actually. But the, uh, but yeah, a lot of times, you know, real estate developers, and some people are, are a little hesitant these days to be more involved in the Art Basel side. It's become uh, very hard to sell real estate during Art Basel, I think, um, when it's in the fairs. But but we do a lot of private events outside of the fair itself. So, you know, we don't necessarily take a booth at Art Basel, but we'll host a private wealth management dinner at someone's home, um, or we'll you know, we'll take um, El Decor. We did a showcase with them a few years back at a home in Sunset Island uh, where they had design a designer showcase throughout the home. So, you know, we do different partnerships like that where we take the Art Basel component out of the fair of Art Basel, but bring it into the home. Right. So I think that it's been great to just kind of also explore just the depth and breadth of what PR covers, because the little translation, people don't really understand how much you really do, which leads me to my next question, which is when should someone reach out to a PR firm? I mean, how do you know you need help? Um, so I think that's interesting. I don't, I don't think that people reach out to us because they need help. I think they reach out to us because they know they want to build their brand um, because we're not as much a crisis PR firm, right? So it's not a help thing. It's more of a, you know, I want to, I want to be the best in what I do or I want or in my industry and I need someone who can help me get that message to the world. 
Um, and that's when we're really brought on uh, with clients and it's across, it's across the board, not only real estate, um, but you know, we, we like to come in and really elevate your brand to the next level. And, and we listen to what your goals are because not everyone's goals are the same. And we want to help achieve whatever that is for you. Um, you know, one of the best, one of the, the questions we always ask from someone when we walk out the door before we even put the proposal together is what's your wish list? You know, we want to know what the wish list is. Uh, and it could be the craziest wish list, but in our mind, that's our goal is to hit that for you. Um, so, you know, we really want to help elevate a brand, but also maintain that brand. You know, we don't want the ups and downs. We want, uh, we want to be able to get up and then maintain it for the client. And so that's our goal. Right. So it seems to me that if you start with PR early enough, even crisis management becomes easier to handle. I think a lot of people think I'll call a PR firm when I have a problem because I need them to help me navigate out of it. But truth be told, isn't it easier to navigate through a difficult time if you're already working with a good PR firm? A hundred percent. Communication <laughs> is key too. I mean, we have clients that we we have been doing PR for or do PR for, and uh, and will be you know, and there will be a crisis management part uh, that will come up at some point, you know, whether it's a lawsuit or something. And uh, and if we're not in the know, I mean, you know, we just don't know. So communication is key. Even once we're on board with the client, we always tell them, you know, please let us know everything that's going on. You may not think we need to know, but we need to know everything. And that's why we have contracts. We're not telling anybody your, you know, your business <laughs> unless you're giving us permission to do so. But, but it's so important for us to know because we want to get ahead of it. We, we never want to fall behind. Yeah, I think that getting ahead of it is key. So I'm just going to kind of go through here a couple of questions. Just as I've known you and as we've started working through all these many years, what the services you provide and how PR works in the real estate industry in particular has changed a little bit. So I just want to clear up some of the old notions and bring them into more contemporary thoughts if, if that's sure. if that's worth going through it. So in your mind, if I'm a real estate agent or a real estate brokerage or even a developer, what's worthy of a press release? So um, clients have a different way of looking at press releases than I think PR agencies do, um, or at least we do. Uh, Press releases are factual. Uh, they're very factual pieces of information. This is why you get a copy of it, you comment and you approve it because we wanna make sure the facts are correct. We send a pitch out um, and a pitch, we attach your press release that you've approved, that you've looked at, but a pitch for us is the way of us to communicate to these reporters and editors that most of them we have the relationships with. And so we know how to communicate with them. You know, it, it, sometimes it is a fr friendly banter because that's the relationship we have. Um, and we can creatively then retell the story that you're trying to tell in the way that we know the reporter's going to kind of come back to us with it. Um, so press releases are, they're important in, in a lot of cases, especially if you're making new announcements, but not everything warrants a press release. Uh, a lot of times a pitch is, is great and it really gives us an opportunity to have a voice using, you know, the message that everyone's kind of approved, but being able to spin it so that it's interesting to who we're pitching it to. Right. So just kind of going back to like old school, right? Way old school, right? You type up a press release and I meant type like in a typewriter, you type up a press release <laughs> and you, and you, and, and, and well, or you send it to the wire. So, so, so once the press release is written um, yeah. and you do do one, right? So once it's written, do you, is utilizing a wire service still relevant? If so, when would that be? 
Yeah, so we we don't we don't normally put anything on the wire. Um, at least uh, I, I would say five percent, and that might be even high. Saying five percent of any of our press releases ever hit the wire. Um, we're we love giving exclusive stories. You know, depending on the topic, but exclusive stories usually on a national level um, because we really try to position things and make them newsworthy on a national level for our clients. And when I say that, you know, we're talking Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Bloomberg, Forbes, uh, these types of publications. And and then from there, you know, we will go out to the mass media side of it, whether it's in the regional market that the client is in or it's on a national level. And we tend to get a lot of large pickup. And it's, you know, there's something to be said about someone writing your story because it's it's kind of giving you that third party of approval. Whereas if you're writing the press release and you're putting it on the wire, everybody knows that someone in the company wrote the press release and put it on the wire, there's really no validation for that. Um, and now there are the times where you you want to be able to do it for SEO and, and SEO purposes, which is is important, is definitely important. There are companies that don't have that strength of SEO and and putting things on the wire, you can add um, that value to, to your website and to your company. So, you know, there are some clients that we do know like to do things on the wire, but they allow us to do our job first. And then that press release at the end, once all of our things have published and we're happy with all of the press efforts we've done, we can then put that on the newswire so that it helps with SEO. Um, you know, and the only other time that I would think a wire is important is if going back to crisis management, if there's a legal statement that needs to be made or something that's in a legal manner and you want it to be positioned exactly word for word that you want it to be positioned, that's when you would want to put it on the wire um, because there's no way for anyone to erase it or, you know, uh, take words out of context. It is what it is and it's put up there. So those are, those are the only times we ever really use the wires. So just so I'm going to kind of go through a real life example, which probably happens to you multiple times a day, but I'll get an email. I'll get an email from from an agent that says I have a new listing at so and so. I want to I want to do a press release. So, mm-hmm. and this is a challenge, right? That I think a lot of people that manage sales agents have to deal with. Like we have a PR firm. I have a I have a listing. I want to write a press release. So, talk through that idea of. Instead of writing a press release and putting it on a wire just to say that you have done something and you've got something you can point to, talk about when a listing would be worthy of a pitch and mm-hmm. how you would work that through for some of your agent clients. Yeah. So, yeah, not every listing is is newsworthy or press worthy in that sense. Um, you know, but we, we try to find if it's extremely important to a client, if they have a listing that let's say the listing's a million and a half. There's a lot of million and a half listings out there. Um, it's not relevant to the press. Um, now, if it's important, you know, and it's really important to them, we try to back into it. So is it in a neighborhood that's booming? Is it in a neighborhood that's seeing a lot of trend in sales? Is there something in the home that's different architecturally or design oriented? Uh, has someone lived in the home that's of relevance? Um, so we really try to back in and see if there is some angle we can take in order to get the listing out. And we've been successful doing that. Um, before. Uh, and then sometimes we'll have to couple it. We'll say, listen, we can't get your listing by itself, but if we couple it with these two other listings, we think we could trend it into a story. Uh, and, and a lot of times it works that way, but there are those listings that will have none of that. And, uh, and unfortunately will not warrant the press because you have to look at the larger scale of what's out there. And if there are 
you know, however many thousands of homes on the market in, in a certain, you know, in a certain city or in a certain county or whatever, um, in the million to two million range, what makes this house different than any other? Um, and, and you have to ask yourself that as an agent, right? If there, if there really isn't anything that separates it, then most likely it won't get written up. It'll be a lot diff- more difficult to get it written up. Right. So is it historic? It, did somebody live there? Was it a famous architect? If, is mm-hmm. it a neighbor? It doesn't represent a neighborhood that might be transitioning to, you know, uh, an up and coming neighborhood. Try and think through your listing and how you would pitch that in a way that makes it sound unique. Correct? Correct. Correct. Or, or, if, or if you as an agent have sold a lot in that neighborhood and maybe you have a large number in which in the last year you've sold, you know, $15 million in this one neighborhood and this is your, I mean, there's things that we can play on. It just really depends. It's case per case, but, but yeah, we, we really, I mean, we try, we try as hard as we can because we know how important it is to the agents. Okay. So just, you mentioned it and I'm just going to ask you to go over it again about okay. how, when you do have a press release, you guys create a pitch and that's what goes out to media outlets. So could you talk to us like about what, how is a pitch different from a press release? And sure. and why do you go through that process? Why don't you just send them the press release, which we approved and we thought was great? So the press release actually does get sent, it's attached, but it's not the, it's not the focal point of what we send. If we can catch the reporter or editor in the pitch, then they'll open the press release, but they're not just gonna open the press release. So that, that's the thing that you have to understand. The pitch is, it's almost like my, my two-minute elevator pitch, right, of how I'm going to sell them on this idea. And then they're going to want to open this press release and understand more about it. And so, and again, because of our relationships with the media and, and different ones across the U.S. as well in Latin America, we, we have different dialogue, you know, dialogue with each of them. We have, some of them are, are good friends of ours. Some we do a lot of, a lot of stories with. Um, and so, you know, we know how to communicate with them and, and it's just, it's a different way of speaking. It's like talking to your friend, you know, you would talk to your friend differently than you would to, you know, if you walked into a conference room, right. Of, of, of a group of people you never met before. So it's, it's, it's the way that we speak to them. We kind of give them what we think is the best part of this, of this press release, the, the most unique part of this press release that we think they're going to, uh, to hold on to. And, uh, and if we're able to do that in the right way, and it gets their attention, then they open the press release and then they say, you know, this is interesting. Let's talk more about it. And then we go to the next level. So the pitch is really important because it really is the hook to get someone to want to write the story. Okay, great. Thank you. I think that's been super helpful. How much control do you have over the media outlets? Uh, it's so funny because I think a lot of a lot of people think we have a lot of control, but you know, right. again, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> snickering. You can't see me, but I'm snickering asking that question. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I just said. It's about relationships. Um, you know, I think a lot of media trust us as a firm. Um, we are very honest and transparent with our media. We don't send them things that aren't accurate. Uh, we we never pull stories from things that they've been working on. You know. We're, we're very we're very respectful in that sense with them. Uh, again, we build relationships with them. And so I think that a lot of it comes down to um, to that. I think, you know, I can't control what they write, and I will never tell you that we can control what anybody writes. But if they trust what we're saying, if we have that relationship, and we can tell also in the tone of voice, you know, when you're pitching and talking to someone, 
you can tell when the tone switches and you can say, oh, this is not turning positive, <laughs> you know, and you can kind of pull back on what you were saying and say, you know what, I think we're going to go in a different direction. And, but I think overall it's, you know, we, we fact check stories as much as we can. We ask to fact check stories to try to get all of that accurate the first time around. We never want to go back and say, oh, you, you know, you said this information inaccurately or you misspelled this person's name. Uh, but it happens. It still happens. Everyone's, you know, human. Um, but I, I think that really and truly, I think people need to understand that we don't control the media. You know, we, it's, it is church and state in, in most cases. I mean, in all the cases that we work in, really, it is church and state. Um, but we have, a, we have a relationship with them and they trust us and we, we've done nothing but good things for each other. I think back and forth and in a business relationship. And I, and I think that, um, so for that, we've been lucky with, with a lot of the press that we get. Yeah, I, I, it does. It is about relationships. I mean, just to, and this, of course, has happened to me on some personally on several accounts. You get excited. We just had a project that launched in another market. Jessica wasn't involved, but it was launching just as the coronavirus COVID quarantine mm-hmm. started. And so the headline, instead of this great project is coming to your town, and it was, I mean, it's a, it's a high-end luxury brand name. Everybody should know it. It should have been what came out as what I'd call a puff piece, right? It should have just been nice. It was a big win story for everybody. But instead, the huge headline was, so-and-so comes to town amid coronavirus quarantine. So... <laughs> So, so the developer, and understandably so, was very disappointed Upset. because he feels like his project is going to be forever tied to the virus, which is not, especially, you know, back in March, not where anybody wanted to be, and didn't really understand that even though you can have a great relationship with a press person, it doesn't necessarily mean it's still a reporter, who's going to write the story from their angle and they're not going to write it. We don't write the story for them. We give them the information that we know is factual, like you said, and we count on our good relationships to hope that it doesn't turn around to something that you're not super thrilled with, but that does happen. Yeah, it does. Um, and I mean, I think, you know, to, to that project, I think, um, you know, and obviously back in March, no one knew, or coronavirus was going to be and what was going to happen and everyone and I, I still think we're all fearful of it in some ways but I uh, back then for sure it was the unknown and I think you know maybe now you could almost position it as well you know you have so many people from the northeast and the midwest moving south that this is the right time to launch this project uh, this is because people are looking for this type of you know development but back then yeah no one knew <laughs> Didn't know how to spin it at the beginning, but, but yeah, so I, just to make that point that you don't control as much as you want to, and you want it to be a positive story. It doesn't always work that way. Or you end up like as a footnote at the, at the bottom of somebody's negative story. (laughs) So it's um, always interesting to see how working with the media, what your expectation is about uh, going into something and how it actually comes out in the press, which kind of leads me to something I think we have a little bit more control over and are leaning into more and more, which is social media. So how important is social media as part of an overall PR strategy? 
social media is extremely important. Um, we highly recommend it, whether it's working with us to do it, or it's even hiring a firm that specializes solely in social media. We work well with everybody, but social media is extremely important. It's, it's not only important because you're able to just continually have this, uh, this community of people that you can speak with on a daily basis and you can message out whatever you want uh, in, in your own language, in your own approved language. But in addition to what we do, you know, being able to send what we do out and getting more kind of more legs with it, right? So you can send it through social media from every aspect, not only if it's a project, it's the real estate developer can send it out through the project. The broker can send it out through their, their social media. Um, you know, then obviously us as the PR firm can send it through our social media. And all of a sudden, a press release that had 200,000 people looking at it now has a lot more people looking at it because it's starting to be shared on and become virtual, I mean, uh, viral, sorry. And and that's what's so important now, right, with social media is that it, everything can become viral and that could be good and bad. Um, but, I, but I think in this aspect, it, it's great. And it's a great way for us to take what we do and really take it to the next level. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that it's, it's very important. Um, I also think it's a way for you to target directly. I mean, obviously everyone knows you can, you can rooftop target, you can, uh, you know, target by demographic in different regions and, and send out ads that are really cost effective in social media. And you can really target audiences and, and kind of tell them what you want to tell them. So we really think social media is important and we, uh, we always encourage clients to do that. So I see it as an augmentation tool, but do you see that there could be a time in the not so distant future where you're controlling more of your messaging in social media and kind of stepping aside from the media to a big extent? You know, I, I, we've thought about it. I thought I think about it all the time, actually. Um, as much as I say yes, there is still that validation that people like from certain publications. Now, not every publication maybe warrants that, but you know, you, you get an article in the Wall Street Journal and people people look at it. People are like, wow, you know, the Wall Street Journal thinks this is great. This must be great. <laughs> you know, so there's that validation that social media is not going to give you because you're telling your own story. So I think that media is still going to be very, very relevant um, for years to come. But media is changing. You know, it is. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if media is all online. Uh, obviously, everyone has an online component. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, eventually it, it you know, I'm, and I'm talking years and years away from now, but that things just really are online. Um, but I do think that these these names and these publications that have really built themselves for decades, um, for even longer than decades, I, I, you know, people want that validation, that credibility um, from those publications. So ultimately, what is the goal of hiring a, a PR firm and how do you define that success, right? Even as a developer, as an agent, as a broker, what kind of metrics, like what, how do you measure your success? How do you define and measure your success with a client? So, I mean, you know, when it comes to real estate in general, uh, the success and what we do, obviously, you know, we create, we can create value sheets that show you, you know, you were in this publication and has this many views and, you know, you see how, you know, what, what the, what that value is. But I think the value really is, you know, when people start recognizing your name, start recognizing your brand, and when you start seeing people calling on your listings or your or your condo development or your, you know, they they want to work with you, and it's how did you hear about me? Or hey, I saw, I read this article, I heard about you. Um, you know, we have a, a real estate agent that we've been representing for a few years now, and and she's had tremendous success um, with the PR campaigns that we've done, um, and really positioning her as as a go-to person in the downtown Miami market. And she, um, 
and, and I have to tell you over, over time, she'll say, you know, someone came in because they read the article about the listing or someone came in because they, they heard about me through this article that you guys got me in. So it does, you know, it, it carries a lot of weight. And those are the times that you really see it come to fruition, I think. Um, but, you know, when it comes to development, I think, um, I think, you know, you see sales. I mean, when sales start to increase, but it really is a marriage between the broker and the marketing, not only our marketing, but creative agencies and everybody kind of involved. It's a marriage to say like, okay, you know, we're going to do our job of doing the PR. How are we going to take that and help you sell? Um, so we can take a PR piece. You guys can use it, you know, whether it's your email marketing that you do as a broker or it's your social media, like we talked about earlier, or we look at organizations in a city. For example, if we get an article in Boca Raton, on a project that we represent up there, we might call the book, you know, the city of Boca Raton and use their social tool, social tools in order to promote it. So then we're getting out to a much larger audience. So we, it's not just about the PR. It's really, it's really the the web of getting it out past the PR side uh, or the editorial placement. I say, yeah, PR is more than that. It's the web of getting it out further, and it's all the partners involved in everything that we do, whether it's a project or a brokerage or an agent themselves. Um, and I, and the success is really in that it's everybody working together. Uh, and, and I, uh, you know, every project I work on, I tell you when all, everybody comes together and we actually work together, the projects are much more successful in their sales. Right. So, so I think like from a development standpoint, really a definition or a metric that you use is traffic that's created, right? Just like similar mm-hmm. to what you would do in advertising. By building awareness, you should be able to drive more traffic and more inquiries. Then it's up to sales to take it over. As an agent, it's to establish your brand, promote your listings, and establish you as an expert in whatever area or geographic or specialized area that you want to, right? Yeah, when you start seeing more listings come in as an agent, you realize it's because people are reading and seeing that you're a special, you know, you specialize in that area and they, they want to list their home. So, I mean, and, and that's, that is the success. Yeah, it's a, it's a good amplifier. And I think for brokerage, it's really about having people understand who you are and what you do and with the ultimate goal of being, number one, more business for your agents, but also more agents from a recruiting standpoint for your company, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, well, I read about, I'm read i reading about Compass here and there and everywhere. I think I need to go talk to somebody at Compass. So there are different it's not like there's ROI, but you do define early on what you want the goal to be, and you recognize the success when those when those goals are being accomplished, whatever that is. I want to hire more people. I want to get more listings. I want to you know build my name because I want to get into politics in four years. Whatever it is, <laughs> you do help define that up front, right? Correct. That is correct. Okay, so... Now that I've got everybody on the call sold that they need a PR firm, as a ballpark <laughs> figure, what should people expect to pay and, and, and kind of for what services? I know it's not a one-size-fits-all, and I'm not trying to commit you to a dollar figure, but if you could just give ballpark range about what kind of budget people need to be able to set aside to be able to take us on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a set figure. Um, you know, we customize every package Per person because it's whether you want regional, whether you want national, whether you want international, um, you know, uh, we don't work by the hour. Uh, a lot of agencies do hourly rates. We don't, we don't do that because we believe in working as hard as we have to work to get the job done, whether it takes us 40 hours a week or it takes us 10 hours, as long as we are delivering what, the results for you, that's what's most important. So it's a little different in the way that we, we work. Um, but, 
you know, PR, PR ranges, I mean, depending on what markets we're talking about, it can range, honestly, anywhere from 5000 to 12000 a month. Uh, it just really depends on the scope of work that's included. Um, and, and social media, you know, retainers normally go anywhere from 2500 to 4000 also on, in the same aspect. You know, what, what's included and what are you looking for? Do you need content creation? Uh, some of, you know, all of those aspects behind it. Um, so it, it, it varies. Um, you know, it, it, there is no uh, crystal ball on it. It really, every time we speak to someone, you know, we, we take it a case per case basis and we kind of fit what they need into whatever the budget might be. Okay. And, and just to reiterate, it is a retainer. So it's not, right. you're not paying, you're not being charged by the hour or by the job, like go write this press release and it's X number of dollars. It's not, it's not piecework. It's not hourly work. It's a retainer so that you're right. always kind of out there pitching, trying to find the opportunity and working into a, a very steady state of getting people out there. That's correct. It's a monthly retainer. We, we usually start at six month contracts um, and uh, and it's ongoing. It's it, we don't stop. Even when you think you have nothing else to say, we find something for you to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> OK, great. And, and so walk us through one of your most successful efforts. I mean, what does that look like? Tell us a good story. So I'm actually going to tell you a story of the last 90 days because it's so relevant to today, right? Um, or, or, you know, during what we've been going through with COVID um, and now obviously, you know, the protests and everything that's happening across the nation, you know, we obviously no one knew what to expect. And and as a company, we tried our, our hardest to hold everything together. And of course, like everybody, we've lost, we've lost some business along the way and some we've gained back um, and we've gained even new ones along the way over the last few months. But as a company, um, you know, we are a, such a tight knit group of people. I mean, we're really a family. Um, we're a group of 15 girls and we, we worked so hard. Um, and in three months we have over 200 hits in press. And when I say hits, it's anywhere from CNBC to Fox to uh, Bloomberg and New York times and Wall Street Journal and some of the best press that we could have ever gotten during these times when nobody really wants to talk about anything positive, but we were able to, work strategies and get positive press for clients. And uh, we tallied the numbers the other day and it was it was shocking to all of us. I mean, we, we don't look at that ever really, but you know, someone put it together in the company and they sent it and they're like, we had over 200 hits in the last 90 days. And I was like, that's, that's mind blowing because you know, we didn't think anyone would ever want to talk about anything during these times. And, uh, and we really were able to help clients shine in a time where it's been very difficult. And you know, everyone's been kind of struggling and trying to figure out what the next step is. Um, so I think that for us, that's, this is one of our big success stories, uh, as a company and as a team, because we really stuck together throughout the whole thing as a group. And, uh, and I couldn't be more proud of everyone who, who works at, at the company. And in an environment where you're not in the office, you're not working together, everybody's working from home, homeschooling, trying to take care of everything that's going and struggling to find a way to share some good news. I mean, that's a great, that's a great story, Jessica. Thank you. And congratulations. I mean, that's a, Thanks. that's a, that, that's a, that's a significant accomplishment. So on the other side of the coin, what <laughs> frustrates you the most about what you do? Um, I think what frustrates myself, and I, I think it frustrates a lot of us in, in, in the industry, but probably in my company for sure, um, is, you know, clients hire us obviously as, as a PR source. Um, they trust us, and that's why you're hiring us. It's a relationship. 
And there are times when we'll come to the client with a suggestion or a strategy that we feel strongly about, and we'll, we'll, we'll express how strong we feel about it. Um, but nobody wants to listen to what we have to say. And then fast forward 60 days later, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I think we should do what you guys told us to do 60 days ago. And we kind of have to backpedal ourselves and, and backtrack. And it, it's, it's happened quite a few times. And I think that's the only thing I can say that's frustrating in what we do. Um, I mean, obviously, there are the stories that come out once in a while that no one's happy about. Um, you know, those things happen. And, and I think that's just something we've accepted as being a PR agency. But, uh, but you know, we, we really believe in what we put together. And, and sometimes, you know, when we are very strong about it and people don't listen and then they want to backtrack 60 days later and say, oh, we should go back to the idea you had, you know, two months ago. And we're like, well, now it's not really relevant anymore. But, um, you know, those are, the, I think, the most frustrating times we have. <laughs> I think that that's something certainly every real estate agent that's on the call can relate to because they have the same frustration, right? You take a listing, tell the seller, this is what the price should be. This is how we should launch. This is how we should do. But the seller has other ideas and you go with them because of course they're the boss. And then yep. 60 days later, it's, oh, wow, I wish we would have. And it's, and it's always hard to backpedal. So it's nice yeah. to know that you have, I guess, if misery loves company in that respect, you've got a lot of good company there. What do you enjoy most about what you do? Um, I, I honestly, I, I, I love every client that we work with. I really do. I have nice relationships and repertoire with all of them. Uh, we'll get along with everybody really well. I, I like, I really enjoy the team that we've built at the company. Um, you know, it takes years to build a really strong team that you can rely on and that you, you really can consider sisters and family. And that, and that's kind of what we are. We are a group of really talented, uh, hardworking individuals. Um, most of the people in the company have been with me four plus five plus years. And, uh, and, and we just, we know how to work around each other. We know how to work well with each other. We care about each other. We're friends outside of the office and it's just that dynamic that makes it so much easier. So, I think it, it makes it easier to go to work every day. You, you want to go to work, you want to help everyone and you want to, everyone wants to, to pitch in to do their best because it, together we're a success. Good answer. I think you've built a great company culture. Everybody that works for you and I know quite a few people that work with you, love the company, love the environment. And that's a tribute to you, Jessica. You've created a wonderful place for people to work and you've done a great job doing it. So thank you. I'm going to transition you. to our... <laughs> Our lightning round now. This podcast is called From the Ground Up. So we always close with a lightning round of questions about you and how you grew from the ground up. So <laughs> got a few questions here. Just question and answer. You ready? Go. <laughs> Where were you born? Miami. Another native. What's your birth <laughs> order? I am the second, uh, second of four children. Older brother, sister. I have an older brother and two younger sisters. Okay. So second born, oldest girl. Yes. Academic background. Uh, FSU. I have a bachelor's from FSU. Okay. And you went to where for high school? Archbishop Curley, Notre Dame. Um, who was your best teacher? Uh, his name was Peter Coleman, and he taught at Nautilus Middle School in Miami Beach. What did you major in in college? Communications. Okay. So you so you are actually working in your field. Good for you. What was your first job? Uh, 
post-college or pre-college? <laughs> pre-college, your very first job. I was a hostess at Big Pink on Miami Beach. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't yes. know that. Okay, <laughs> see, I'm learning a lot about you. Who knew? Yeah. Um, who was your best mentor? Uh, that's easy. That's, that's my dad, Al Levy. Uh, he, he just taught me how to treat people in business, how to do business the right way, um, values, morals, all of that. Good. Tell us about your family. Um, my family, my, my children, I have three children. I have a 11 year old daughter, Alyssa. I have a almost eight year old daughter, Kira and a five year old son named Austin. And they are my lives. Where do you live? (laughs) They're my love of my life. I live in Davie, Florida. What do you like best about your home? My kitchen. (laughs) Have you been cooking a lot? Have you been COVID cooking? I've been COVID cooking and I just got my dream kitchen about three years ago. So it's, uh, I love my kitchen. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. What's your favorite vacation spot? Bahamas. There you go. What's your morning routine? I drink tea every morning and I work out every single morning for at least an hour. Do you get up early or late or do you sleep in? No, uh, 645, 630 every morning. What do you (laughs) consider your biggest failure and your best success? Um, Best success would be my children. Um, Just they teach me something new every day that I didn't know uh, about myself and about them. Um, Failure. I don't know that I have failures. I just think I've learned a lot of lessons along the way just through things that have happened, but no, no big failures. Do you have any aspirational goals <laughs> to speak Italian, to go anywhere? Do you have any aspirational goals? Um, I, w- I mean, I'd like to have more time for vacation, <laughs> which isn't that big of an aspiration, but it is uh, obviously not traveling too much this summer, but I uh, second home somewhere. I think uh, I used, I, when we were growing up, we had a home in Colorado I miss that, having a home in the mountains, so possibly a home in Colorado at some point. Okay. And what's been your favorite part of quarantine? Um, Not spending as much time in the car (laughs) and uh, spending time with the kids. So, so just, just, just a follow-up question, because the not spending time in the car I share with you. So are you going to go back to working in the office every day, or are you going to stay at some part work from home? So it actually, this all came at an interesting time for us. We we had an office in Fort Lauderdale. We had an office in Miami. We even had a corporate apartment in New York. So our apartment lease went up in May in New York. So we didn't renew it. Obviously, at this time, we have no one's really going back to New York anytime soon. So why are we going to pay for it? So we, we relinquished that. Our Fort Lauderdale lease went up in February. And we were in the process of looking for new space when all of this went down. So we haven't done that. And our Miami lease goes up in July. So we're, we're in a really interesting crossroads. Um, I think what we've decided and what we've learned from all of this is that, you know, we can work from anywhere, all of us, and we work efficiently. Um, So we are actually going to become virtual um, for now. It's not going to be forever, um, but I think we just want to kind of see what happens in the world over the next six months. Um, And probably Q1 of 2021, we'll start looking for a new office, but we've decided to go virtual and everyone was excited about it and and agreed with it. And, you know, it was kind of a company decision, not, not just mine. And, uh, and so that's what we're doing. And, you know, we do get together still. We will have meetings um, in person. Um, but we, you know, we get on Zoom calls every morning at 9 a.m. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to be virtual for a little while. Okay, great. 
It's exciting. I, I, I yeah. really, I've, be, you know, personally, I'm now sold. I don't, I won't, I don't think I'll work back in an office again anytime soon, only because I have really enjoyed getting the time I was commuting back in my day. I mean, it makes a huge I mean, difference to me huge. to get two, two to three hours back in a day is, it's, it's liberating. It's been great. I don't, I, I really don't want to spend that time in traffic anymore. And you have a big commute too, because you were coming from yep. Davie to the design district, right? Yeah. And, and not just that, I mean, we have clients all over. So from Palm Beach County, all the way down to South Miami. And, and in a day I could go from Coral Gables to, to Boca Raton. And, and then I have to go back to Davie or Miami. And it's, I mean, there were days I was spending four hours in a car and yeah, I, I agree with you. The time I've gotten back, I've, I've been able to utilize to be so much more successful in just doing the job. Um, and I think everybody realizes now that we can have meetings on Zoom. We don't have to see each other every week in order to be effective. Um, and I think that it's, it's going to make a major impact for everybody. And, and gives balance back, right? I mean, I've been able yeah. to eat dinner with my family every day since we went into quarantine, which before that, I was able to maybe eat dinner with my family once every two or three weeks. So it's, yeah. it's just a huge, it's a huge difference in how you live your life. So just to conclude, and thank you again, Jessica, for everything. Tell thank me you. where people can connect with you. Email, social media handles. What's the best way to reach you if they want to talk to you? Yeah, so our Instagram handle is um, at Levy, L-E-V-Y, com, C-O-M-M. Uh, info at levypublicrelations.com or you can jessica at levypublicrelations.com works well uh, and our website is is that levypublicrelations.com I'll include all of that in the show notes as well when the episode okay. is live so if you didn't get a chance to write it down um, everybody it will be there in the show notes thank you again Jessica uh, I've you. enjoyed working with you I've enjoyed working with you and I really love that you agreed to do this podcast with us and thank you again thank you appreciate it have a good night everyone this episode of from the ground up was sponsored by feather the nest the crowdfunding source for all of your real estate needs why register for silverware when you can start your way to owning or renting your own home please sign up for your nest at www.featherthenest.com a special thanks to my extraordinary producer, Sohail Fazluddin, who has made this podcast possible.